This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Mavericks. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio somewhat by Evan Grant. Uh, Hi. Yeah, that was Evan. And on, joining us on the line is our, our old pal Brad Townsend. Hi, Brad. How are you? Fine. Where's the enthusiasm? It's NBA free agency. Aren't you excited? I'm excited. Well, I would be excited if I were anything but a Mavs fan. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody else is getting to sign somebody. How come the Mavericks can't do that? Uh, well, as I wrote uh, last night uh, for this morning's paper, they're in the holding pattern. And uh, depending on uh, how this plays out, uh, the Mavericks are either adults or geniuses. It's probably somewhere in between. Uh, they'll look more, a lot more like geniuses if they're able to uh, to land Green uh, and uh, Danny Green. Of course, we're talking about Danny here. Green. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, who is a uh, now? I wanted to ask you this, uh, you, because it seemed like that one of the Mavericks' targets going in here was Patrick Beverly, who never even gave him an interview and uh, re-signed with the Clippers. Would you consider Danny Green a poor man's Patrick Beverly? Uh, well, they're different players. Uh, well, I mean, there, there are definitely some similarities. They're both very good defenders. They both shoot the three well. Uh, Danny Green is is more of a two-guard. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely not a one-guard. He's your classic 3-and-D player. Right. Most of the shots he takes, well over 50% of them, are three-pointers. And he makes them at a very high rate. Beverly, you know, has the ball in his hands more. He can create more. Uh, he's every bit as good a defender, in my opinion, as Green. They both can defend three positions. And it sounds like I'm describing the same player. Right. But, but I, I think Beverly is different in that he would have given the Mavericks a second creator in the backcourt along with Doncic, whereas now, uh, and it's not necessarily a bad thing if they land green, uh, you've got Doncic controlling the ball most of the time, which I think most Mavericks fans would want, uh, and you've got green being the the classic, the classic uh, spot-up shooter, and you know you can certainly envision uh, a lot of pick-and-rolls with Porzingis and Doncic, and uh, you know, God forbid, you know, if you're, you're, you're an opponent, you can't leave Danny Green on the wing. Um, so this is what the Mavericks are envisioning. They've signed Seth Curry yesterday, or they agreed to terms with Seth Curry yesterday. He won't be able to. None of these contracts can be signed until July the 6th, the earliest, when the moratorium, signing moratorium ends. But, you know, if you try to 
look through the smoke of maybe uh, the confusion the last couple of days, some drop balls by the Mavs, they could wind up with two of the top of last season's top percentage-wise three-point shooters in Curry and Green. And I think any person who's followed the Mavericks know that that's their biggest need, shooters. And you know, they were uh, they shot the fourth most three pointers in the league last year, uh, but had the seven, but ranked twenty seventh in three point percentage. So it's clearly uh, Rick Carlisle's offense and gearing toward today's game. He wants to shoot the three pointers, but if you're not shoot, shooting them very efficiently, uh, you know your offense sputters. Let me ask you this, uh, and, and I agree with everything you say. Uh, but if they good, thank you. Yeah, you bet. When they when they let uh, Seth Curry walk the first time, what's the difference now? Well, the last time, the last time he was coming off, he had set out the entire 2017-2018 season. Right. He played well for the Mavericks in 2016-17, averaged a career high 12.8 points a game, uh, and then he got hurt. Uh, and the Mavericks thought it was. Initially, he was diagnosed as just like a stress fracture or you know, stress reaction, and he initially didn't have to have surgery, so they thought. Then it dragged on, and then he had to have surgery, and he sat out an entire season. So right there, you're looking at a risk factor. You don't know, you know, if this guy comes back, or is he going to be like uh, a shell of himself? Is he going to like contribute 50 games, 40 games, whatever? So I could certainly see why the Mavericks let him walk. I mean, uh, uh, but then he goes off to Portland, and uh, I believe uh, somebody could look this up, but I believe he played 70 games last year. Mm-hmm. That so sounds right. He, he certainly showed that he, you know, from a durability standpoint, he's on the way back at the very least. Yeah, well, you know, my my only problem with all of that is that, uh, yeah, I get it, and I remember when they let him walk. I didn't know if there was any other mitigating factors here in their decision uh, because, you know, obviously you're taking a huge risk uh, on Chris Dapp's Porzingis. Now, I realize that's a completely different talent level here we're talking yeah. about, uh, but you're also spending a lot more money uh, on, on this guy. So it it kind of... Uh, I think if, if you're looking at, at it from a, a Mavericks fan standpoint, it looks like, well, we couldn't get who we wanted, so we're just getting the old band back together. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting guys who, who've played here, who know us. We're, we're re-signing our own guys. We're, you know, uh, we're, we're getting guys, to, uh, you know, that we don't have to talk into wanting to play here uh, because they've at least been here and experienced it. Is, is there a little bit of truth to that? Well, yeah, look, I you look at the Mavericks history of free agency, uh, what's happened the last two days certainly falls in line with their history of just missed opportunities or not even like getting up to bat with these guys. So look, I don't blame Mavs fans at all. Uh, and, and in fact, I agree with that. I'm trying to, as a reporter, trying to figure out exactly what their plan is. I do know that going into free agency, they wanted to add, ideally, two wing players, you know, guys that could play small forward and or shooting guard. And they wanted to, to add a backup big man. So a lot of these type players have disappeared off the boards. It went swoof of the, the first 24 hours, $3 billion around the NBA was 
was spent. So I could certainly understand uh, Mavs fans panicking and saying, oh, this is the same old, same old, especially in the Beverly situation. You know, I, I know for a fact that there was a call planned. The, the call never occurred. Yeah. Now, what I don't know, what I don't know is whether at some point of the first day of free agency, you know, maybe while the Mavericks were messing around with Miami, those things falling through, that was a mess. Maybe somewhere in there, Beverly just decided, hey, I'm going to the Clippers. And there was no need for a call. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know all the circumstances of why the call didn't happen. I just know there was supposed to be a call and it didn't occur. Brad, we know we got you on a limited uh, time here. You got some places you, you got to go, and so we can't even get into the whole uh, an incredible story about the potential trade with Miami. That uh, it looks like two different things fell through, uh, not just one, uh, and one of them just more or less on a miscommunication, which is bizarre enough. Uh, but so I wanted to ask you though, it, it, it does it feel like that these guys all signed faster? Than, than everybody thought they would. It, you know, uh, uh, obviously Kawhi Leonard is still out there, and that will right. that will determine a little bit about what Danny Green does. But almost every, not only are the top tier guys gone, but all the middle tier guys are gone, and some of even the third tier guys are gone. Well, the here's the thing. So going just a few hours before free agency, or probably the night before, my indications from talking to a couple people around the league, outside the Mavericks organization, and, and some, some inside the organization is was that Durant and Kawhi Leonard were going to take some time because the reports were and all indications were that both of them were going to meet with multiple teams. And this could take a while to drag out, to drag out which would have a, uh, you know, a domino effect, ripple effect on the rest of these signings. But literally we find out, an hour before free agency that, lo and behold, Kevin Durant's already sorted through things and he's going to Brooklyn. And so I think that that was a major unclogging right there. And then it became a matter of whether uh, Kawhi Leonard was going to sign either with which L.A. team he was going to sign with or if he was going to remain in Toronto. And I think that was a big – I think the Durant question mark and that being answered right away – sort of caused you know the dam broke right then right yeah so last question what big man are the mavericks or is the mavericks going to get <laughs> i you know I, I people are peppering me with that question on twitter if i knew i would tweet it to the world um the wild card is demarcus cousins the the mavs have always boogie uh, been infatuated by him uh if maybe if they get him at a lower you know, right now, there's just not a lot of money out there, not a lot of free money out there, um, available money. So maybe they could, they could certainly use a DeMarcus Cousins if they think that he's on the way back health-wise. It's not as big a risk as maybe it would have been, you know, this time last year. They're comfortable with Dwight Powell being a the starting center. They've now got uh, – they've – certainly fortified their front line with Kristaps Porzingis. Um, I, listen, stranger things have happened. All I know is the Mavericks have long loved DeMarcus Cousins. They 
signed his little brother to a yeah, that's right. contract with the Legends. He wasn't really much of a player, but you know they were certainly uh, currying favor with Cousins and his agent. So, you know, if, if you're going to ask me to take kind of an educated guess, I'd say Demarcus Cousins. Uh, you know, not a, not a terrible fallback position. You know, he's very he's very skilled uh, for a big guy, and uh, you know that's certainly what the, some of the things that they're looking for, and he can do some of the things that they're looking for. So. So we'll see. Brad, thanks for popping on with us, man. You're the best. Uh, and maybe, maybe you can get all this uh, stuff figured out, and then you can actually go on vacation. I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> but I am going to summer, Mav Summer League. So, uh, you know, vacation. no vacation right away, but hopefully soon. Yeah, no vacation for you. All right, Brad. <laughs> thanks, man. Good all stuff. Right, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. There goes Brad Townsend. Uh, he's a busy man. Busy, busy, busy man. Uh Back on that uh, Maverick speed. Fortunately, we we uh, fortunately for uh, Dallas Morning News readers, uh, Brad has that extensive background in the NBA. Covered the uh, the Spurs, covered the Mavericks, uh, so he does have a lot of sources, and uh, he has done a great job since stepping in uh, and filling that beat uh, for us. Um, Evan Grant is here in the studio. Uh, Evan's very busy though; he didn't even have his headset on. Uh, can you can you have him keep it down there? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, he's he's really bothering me, uh, but we don't want to get in Evan's way because you know there are a lot of things more important than doing this podcast, uh, Brian. So that's uh that's the thing you need. Obviously, to yeah, obviously, uh, yeah. This whole the whole Mavericks question here in free agency, you know, it it I've always defended them a little bit um, on the on the the inability to attract star free agent players. Um, and, uh, because, uh, they can't help the fact that the Mavericks play in Dallas, uh, and, and a lot of players are looking to play in a major media market. They're, they're looking to play in New York. They're looking to play in LA. Um, and you have to kind of, uh, to do what Houston did. They traded for the Rockets traded for James Harden and, uh, you were getting one of the top three players in the NBA and therefore it made it easier to attract other players to come and play with him because of that. Uh, then over the years, it was difficult for the Mavericks to attract players, uh, star free agents, because of the difficulty that uh, Dirk Nowitzki presented as a matchup with other players. You know, he's a guy as a stretch four. He's not a prototypical power forward. Therefore, it makes it difficult. You, know, you have to assemble the right kind of guys around him to be able to play his game, to allow him to play his game and to allow you to be effective. And then when, uh, when they really needed – to attract those free agents. Dirk was in his 30s, and that was, look, guys just didn't want to come here and play with an aging superstar. So, But I thought Luca would... Yeah, you thought that would jazz it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought that would change all that. But Luca and, and, and Porzingis as well. You know, these are these are two star players, both very young. Uh, you would have thought this would have been the kind of place they would want to come. Uh, I, I think it, uh, you know, certainly in the uh, Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn, that was a surprise. People weren't expecting that. Uh, the the thinking all along was that the Knicks were going to try to get uh, Kyrie Irving and, and Durant both. I was not aware that they were so close. They're such good buddies. And so they wanted to, you know, that was part of the deal. They wanted to go somewhere and play together. I'm sure in, in, in Durant's mind, he wanted to prove that, uh, you know, he took so much criticism for going to Golden State. Uh, and I'm sure he felt like, okay, look, look what happened to Golden State after I got hurt. Did the Warriors win again? No, they didn't. And now I'm going to go to uh, I'm going to go to the Eastern Conference, and I'm going to go play for the Nets. 
and they're gonna they're gonna be immediately, and of course, with him and and with Kyrie both, uh, we're gonna be immediate contenders for a title. It's the Nets. It's the Nets. I know, I, and you know that's the thing. And of course, that was a, always a, a funny argument too for me is that um, what everybody tells you is that it, it's the market that matters, not so much the brand anymore. Uh, but everybody kept acting like, but 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 of course they'll want to go play for the Knicks because they play in Madison. The Square Knicks Garden. are a completely and total dysfunctional mess of a team. They and are. So why would somebody want to go there if they felt they could go to the New York market? Um, well, there, there there's something I want to talk about because there are some people who who say and believe, and there's a there's a culture within the, the NBA that oh, but the Knicks are special because they play in Madison Square Garden. That is. Name me another venue where people say, "I want to play there because of the venue." The, none of that. None of that matters. You know. Well, uh, but it's you know it's it's the most famous uh, arena in the world. I, I keep reading that. I keep hearing that, and it does. That just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to players. No, I don't think it doesn't. Um, so I think that was the, the that was reason people year. wanted to play for the Yankees and was not because they wanted to play in Yankee Stadium. It was because the Yankees paid the most money and they won the most world championships. Yeah. The reason people well, want the pinstripes mean something. No, I no, it doesn't. It doesn't. The, it, the money and the money and the championships and the and the desire to put together a championship team and support it in a championship manner is what matters. It's what matters why players want to go to Boston. It's why players uh, why why MLB players want to go to Boston, why, why but they, basketball but players they have, want to go to Boston. But they have won and that's they believe in that. They believe in the history. When uh, have they won? 1971? No, I'm talking about the I'm talking about baseball you're oh, talking okay. about. You're making the argument that that doesn't matter. It does matter somewhat. People think if this organization has won before, then they can win again. I, it and mad, the money, money does matter, but the, what, what it matters if an organization has won and continues to try to win. Right. The Yankees, the Yankees continue. The Celtics continue. The 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 Red Sox continue to try to put uh, and, and set championship standards. I don't know what the Knicks do. Um, no, no, the Knicks are completely. They're a, they're, they're a mess. They're a thin-skinned um, organization that hasn't won in fifty years. Well, they did, and that was the deal. They did not want to give Durant the uh, max contract, which was crazy. You had the opportunity to do that, uh, and I think he probably would have gone to the Knicks over the Nets uh, be, uh, if they had offered a max contract, and they just didn't want to do it because they felt like. It was uh, too big of a risk uh, coming off his injury. I mean, I understand the concern about the injury, but it's a little bit like the situation that uh, the Lakers face. Uh, they had to make that trade for Anthony Davis because you have got LeBron James, and they missed the playoffs with one of the two greatest players ever, and he's at the end of his career. You have to maximize the window for him while he is still able to produce that kind of championship. And so you had to make that kind of move. Take the, what the Mavericks did with Chris Stapps Brzingis. They were at a, at a stage where, okay, we, we have a really great young player, but we have an opportunity here to maximize this window and really return ourselves. And we're going to gamble on Porzingis a, by making this, this trade, which I didn't think was a, the, the, the gamble was that getting giving up the two first-round picks. The players they gave up, it didn't matter. The, the, that was all fine. It was the first-round picks. And he were gambling that he would re-sign with you to a max contract and that he would return 
from that injury, which caused him to miss an entire a season and a half, essentially. So that was a lot. And then there's the there's a feeling out there that you know, with his body, he's a, he's thin. Uh, you know, he's he's been a little bit injury prone. Is he going to be able to hold up to the pounding of an NBA season year after year after year? Do you want to gamble all that? The Mavericks went all in, uh, as opposed to the Knicks that decided that no, we're not going to go all in. To me, that's crazy. In that market, when you watch guys flying around and you're the New York Knicks and you you do have a history, it's an old history, but you do have a history, I think that you have now forfeited all that with their fan base. You have told them we could have had one of the two or three best players in the NBA. We decided, nah, we're not going to do that. That's too big a risk. They forfeit everything. They've forfeited everything with their fan base. I mean, they, they they certainly have now. There's no goodwill left. If there was any goodwill at all, left, I don't know what, what goodwill would gone. there have been previously. I don't know. I mean, nothing that that Dolan has promised have have, have they acted on. Well, I mean, this is you certainly had the opportunity now, and it, and it, you know because here's the thing, and this, and I think this is true. There's probably a half dozen teams that could win the the title next year, uh, which you, you couldn't say that for certainly six, seven years. Um, maybe maybe go back further than that because certainly it was, it, whoever uh, LeBron played for, that was a contender right away. And coming out of the Eastern Conference especially, that was the case. Now I think you can see there's there are two or three teams in the Eastern Conference that can win it uh, besides the half dozen that you usually see in the Western Conference. So it'll be a very competitive season uh, next year. We'll see what the, the Mavericks do. Uh, I, I think that, uh, as, as Brad said, if they can add Danny Green, who's a very good player, uh, the, the, the issue uh, with the Mavericks in these two contracts, Seth Curry is – I think Seth Curry is 28, uh, and Danny Green, I believe, is in his 30s. Um, these are not uh, long-term solutions. But, you know, uh, for all the crying and whining about contracts in the NBA, uh, you can get out from under most of the bad ones. Uh, you know, that was, a, that was a, a bad contract that the Mavericks had with Harrison Barnes. They got out of that one. Uh, it's amazing how, how that works uh, in the NBA. So, they still had to, to get a big man. If they could get uh, Boogie Cousins, uh, I think he, he – you know, there were always concerns about him, uh, the maturity level, uh, very talented player, very skilled, uh, can do a lot of things. That's why the Mavericks have always liked him uh, and always were interested in him. Uh, now, coming off that injury, he's had a whole year. Uh, he was obviously not real effective for the Warriors uh, because of that um, – We'll we'll see what happens now. Uh, the Mavericks are one of only a couple of teams that have considerable uh, cap space left that they could uh, spend on somebody. Uh, it would be interesting to me to see if they if they gave Boogie a big contract and he's coming off the bench and he'll be end up making twice as much as uh, Dwight Powell, which could be a interesting situation. So uh, we'll see what they do. Um, but I, you know, you're not even you're not even sure you're going to get Danny Green. If Kawhi Leonard uh, goes to the Clippers, then yes, probably so. If uh, Kawhi Leonard decides to stay in Toronto, then Danny Green is going to stay in Toronto, and then the Mavericks will be hurting once again, and they will have uh, gone through uh, another summer without attracting a star player. So uh, it, it is kind of a, a, a phenomenal uh, situation with the Mavericks, uh, and, and that's not even counting the whole thing as we were talking about, two different trades with the, the heat that, uh, that bellied up on Sunday. 
Yeah, I, I don't have a whole I don't have a whole lot to add as usual. But for me, I just keep coming back to it seems um, that uh, it's all it's it is all about the market and and not the team, right? Not the uh, the opportunity. It's all about the market and creating these super teams at this point in time. And and so maybe you know maybe if if with Luca and Porzingis and and the team that they've created, maybe if the Mavericks show that they've got deep playoff power, then they add these superstars that just want that that want to win. But I do think we're seeing you know players attracted to San Francisco Bay Area. Right, the Golden State. I mean, this is what we've seen over the last couple of years. Well, some of those places we, it happened because you had an unbelievable players talent. go to Los Angeles. We've seen not that it not that it's provided the Lakers with anything, but the, you, we've seen players go there. Well, that's what I said though. There are markets, right? Los and, Angeles market, the New York market, right? And I, I mean, yeah. I think it's it's created something of a discrepancy in the NBA. But then you've got Toronto, which I get, which I would tell you, I I would bet that if you ranked. The 30 NBA locations, probably players would rank Toronto in the bottom third of their desired destinations, right? Yeah, then they were surprised to win it. And they, they won it. And um, which, which shows that you can win. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is, is a top five player. There's no question about that. But the guys around him, were, you know, that was not the kind of talent base that people thought were going to win. So you don't necessarily have to have that, you know, obviously. you you got to have some stars. And mm-hmm. I think that – if Porzingis is is uh, healthy uh, next year and he returns to the form that he played at before, and Luca continues the the arc that he is on right now, I think they're t- I think they're very talented. Uh, I think they have the the potential. The, I think you you know this next season was not a season even if they had attracted a star player that. I think you would have said, "Oh, then they're automatically in in the running for the title." I think they're in the, they're certainly as they are now, and what they've added, they're in the running for a sixth or seventh seed. Uh, I, I think that that's certainly a possibility. So, and and who knows what happens after that? Uh, right. we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that this is the the kind of team they're trying to build uh, is kind of coming into focus a little bit, uh, and the kind of guys that they want. And uh, you know, when when your two your two star players are twenty four and twenty. So uh, it's still a very young team. Uh, and uh, so I, I think there's still a little bit of a feeling out there. Um, yeah, they look like they could be stars, but let's, let's see. The problem is that this was the big year for movement. Next year's free agent class is a big step down from this one. So it's not like that next year they're going to be able to say, oh, wow, well, we, we, can, we can get somebody next Who year. Who would you say is the last the – last franchise type player left no the last franchise type player who chose in free agency um to go somewhere other than one of the the markets we just talked about or his hometown you think of one off the top of your head lebron well lebron went to back to cleveland right yeah i mean but we're talking about miami at that point uh, when he when but when, it, when he who went back to his hometown is that what you're wondering? I'm saying when was the last time an NBA star in free agency yeah chose to go to a market mm-hmm. other than his hometown oh other than his hometown or one of those three marquee cities that we just mentioned uh well you know Chris Paul going to Houston 
you know, that was, but that was a situation where. Um, Do we consider Chris Paul a, a franchise type player? He was not anymore. Uh, he's he's really done now, uh, and he's but he's he's making franchise type money. I mean, right. the, the the last year of his contract, he's going to be making forty two million dollars. Right. I, so so yeah, it's unusual. Yeah, these guys are they? And do I, I mean, I would I would think that's a little bit of a problem that the NBA has. Uh, no, not anymore because as as I said, look, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just went to the to Brooklyn, you know. But that's it, New it's, York. It's in New York, but it's not the Knicks. You know, you know, you, you know what? The Knicks are the Nets. Well, that's true. But I, the just, Knicks have become the Nets. I'm, I'm just telling you, if, if we're talking about New York being a major media market, you know, that's that's the issue. The issue is not to play for the Knicks. The issue is that oh, you're in New York, right? Okay, but Brooklyn is not considered New York. You know, they're one of the big uh, trending things was like where Brooklyn at. You know, that was that was on Twitter yesterday. Is that these two guys went to play for the Nets? I mean, they haven't. The Nets haven't had a day like this since, since Julius Irving played for them. I, I but I I still feel like it's New York. I mean, it. it, it well, I mean, look. There's like, you, you it, could it, as you I could I make said, the argument for the Nets for, for the Nets and the New York market. You could make the argument for the Clippers and the LA market. I'm just saying, when's the last time somebody chose to say, go to the Wizards? When's the last time somebody chose yeah. to go to... But just what you said, though, in baseball, how many how many players are going, uh, you know... Well, Manny Machado got a $330 million contract, so he went to San Diego. Well, but that just tells you. if You, you clubbed him over the head with money. Correct. And, 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 that's what, and that's how crazy San Diego is, you know, uh, to spend that kind of money on a guy who's not a difference maker, in my estimation. Uh, he's a great player, but he's not a, he's not a difference maker uh, from that standpoint. He's not going to make that much difference, let me say that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that this happens in all sports. But I do think, you know, I'm telling you, there's six, eight teams that could win the title next year, I believe. Uh, depending on where, if Kawhi goes to the Clippers, so and you're saying that's an improvement over this past year. Sure. What? How I many mean, teams I, did you have as title worthy this three? Year? I mean, uh, Toronto's a surprise, right? But Toronto, you had, you had going into the season, you had the Clips and who else? I mean, the uh, the the Dubs and who else? Yeah, I mean, whoever come out of the Eastern Conference, and and that was and that wasn't going to be Toronto. I right. mean, I, I think uh, people thought Toronto had a good chance because of Leonard. But, uh, you know, people thought the Celtics would be uh, another con- uh, contender. They didn't do anything. Uh, you know, I, look, and let's face it, if the Warriors don't have the most catastrophic injuries in the during right. the finals of any team ever in any sport, you lose Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, not only for the rest of the series, but for almost the entire next season. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, who, mm-hmm. who's ever had injuries like that? So if those guys are still playing – uh, then, then the Warriors win again, uh, and and that's the difference. Is the Warriors have won what three titles in the last five years, and then LeBron's teams win, you know, the, the other titles, and it's so it's been dominated by that. I don't have a problem with that kind of thing, frankly. I, I think that when you have a team that's dominant like that, it allows all the other teams to measure themselves against that, and I think that's a good thing. When 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 teams win every year, when the Florida Marlins won the World Series, was that good for baseball? Was that good for Florida? Uh, it could have been. Well, yeah, it, it could have been, but it wasn't. It, it, you know, I mean, the Marlins, I think, are the outlier because all they've done is both times they've gone to the World Series, they've then completely torn down their team because they didn't get the financial support that they that they wanted. Um, 
But I think there's something to be said for there is something to be said for standard bearers in your sport that that sent the benchmark and that you can you know measure yourself against, like yeah. you just said. But there's also something to be said for. Um, and, and look, I, I I look at baseball right now, and you know there's five teams in the American League that aren't even trying, and there's pretty much the equal number in the in the National League. So when you can rule out a third of your sport from even being competitive, and then you start narrowing down to who's got a real shot, and you've only got a half dozen teams with a real shot at a championship, I do think it it kind of it deletes the product a little bit. Uh. I don't. I don't look. I don't think so. I mean, I I think that you need to have what you want to have is star players uh, in markets who uh, who can, and then you want to have a little bit of a Cinderella. And you know, Toronto was a kind of a Cinderella for the NBA. Uh, it was a one great player and a bunch of really good role players, and they won a title, and that was good. Uh, I think that was good. Everybody was, was glad to see that. Um, I I don't believe in the thing where you want to have different teams winning every year. I, I I think if you have a different team winning every year, it's weird though. You know, it's it here's the thing. It's very weird that the NFL has more parity than any league. Yeah, correct. Um, and it doesn't hurt the NFL's brand that you know you have teams that aren't considered major major players going deep into the postseason. Uh, I, I think it's a little more fluky in the NFL because you're only playing one game. You know, you, you don't you're not playing series. Uh, I think it's much more difficult when you're you got to win a, a seven game series. You know, or or even a five game series when you're just going this this weekend. We got to win this game. We win this game. We move on. Um, I think it's it's a little easier for uh for teams to get hot and do well in the NFL uh and and win those games. You know. Obviously, you, you certainly got uh, out of the AFC. The the Patriots are pretty pretty dominant. So, um, and I think that, like, as I said, I think that's a good thing. I think you need to have those kind of teams. I, I do. I mean, I, I do feel that way because if you if you win a title one year and then the next year you don't even make the playoffs, then what did that title mean? You know, um, I, I feel like that you uh, for fans. We had that. This, we've had this discussion before. I brought it up with my oldest son uh, over the weekend. We were talking about. Uh, uh, I was talking about the Braves of the '90s. You know, we've had that discussion before about. in you know, the Braves won one World Series, and how many times did they go to the playoffs? Like nine years in a row, something. Thirteen, 13 years in a row, they went to the playoffs. They won one World Series. Would you rather be them or, or be the Florida Marlins who won two World Series? Uh, I would, uh, you know, I would rather be the team that constantly has a chance to win. Yeah, me too. I think it's more fun involved if if you're constantly competitive and you're and not just not just getting in the playoffs, but, but you've got a chance to go all the way. But I'm I'm look, I'm clearly not in touch with th- this day and age as fan, um, and this goes for all sports. Uh, and and I've said this before. I became a fan of sports and professional sports in general more out of out of in a different age, out of civic pride, you know these these teams wore your city's name, your hometown's right. name across the front, and so you supported them as a fan, come hell or high water. Right. Um, and, and growing up in the seventies, um, and really with only only one city in the South being um, being a professional sports town in Atlanta, we took a lot of pride in that. The team sucked, 
But we took a lot of pride in the fact I that I don't think you can say that on the podcast. No, I, I can. I really can because you know on on other websites, yeah, this is really cool now. Other websites say naughty words in 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 printin printin in printed <laughs> word form, and because of that, they're they're very edgy. But yeah. so I think we we're bad. We're edgy because we're called ballsy um, with a Z. The uh, and, and so. For me, that's what it always came down to was was more a thing of civic pride, and you treasured the opportunities that your team took to sure. go deep into playoffs or give you rides all summer long. And with 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 a sport like baseball, much more than any other, you know, you have a baseball season where you ride the ebbs and flows of a, of, of a full season. It provides you with a great deal of entertainment. But if all you're focused on is player moves, and if they're going to win the championship, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment and frustration 75% of the time, and that's probably a low estimate. Mm-hmm. And and so I, it's hard for me to to wrap my head around a lot of times with what today's fans are thinking. Um, there's a lot of times I feel like I'm – I'm out of touch because of that because I, I I I don't get the win the championship or nothing kind of uh, attitude. You know, and I, I told you we we had this conversation on the podcast. I was in Boston during Game Seven of the end of the Stanley Cup Finals, and here you are. You know, this is a Boston's a city that's won championship after championship, and on talk radio that afternoon uh, before game seven of the NHL championship of the Stanley cup finals, you've got talk show hosts saying, well, if the, if the, if the Bruins lose tonight, is this season considered a failure? Right. How you get to that reasoning? I don't know. Well, it's a good question to ask because people are going to ask that question, but, but you're right. Because, Why would you possibly think Game Seven of the 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 final game because of the season because you is know a what those fans are like? That's why, and so you have to ask those Boston fans that question. I think if it's a, if it's fans uh, here, you're not. I, I think look as I recall in the discussion in the press box in Game Six of the 2011 World Series, as I went down and you and Tim Callahan were sitting on the front row, and I was sitting on the back row because that's where y'all put me. Uh, and uh, and y'all were talking about how oh well this was such just such a great game and it just it was just so fun to watch and everything and I think that's good enough and I said no that is not the way people back in Dallas and Fort Worth are going to look at this they just blew their chance to win the World Series I knew they were not going to win Game Seven oh you knew that I knew that you knew that because because uh, I knew that that was that Matt Harrison was going to be starting in Game Seven so they weren't going to win that was it wow that was it it was wow. over. A shot at Matt Last Harrison. Right no, there. I love Matt Harrison. He's a great guy. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't know it was going to be very difficult. You, you, you had this chance to win on the road, game six. You know, you didn't win, and 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 I just knew how that was going to go over. In this market, it's it, it's a little different from what you're talking about in Boston, as you said. The Bruins have won Stanley Cups. You know, in Texas, the Rangers have never won a World Series. This was their chance. They 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 got blown out by the Giants the year before. And now this was their big chance on the road. You had a chance to win this World Series right now. You have to take that then. I think, I, again, I think game six was a failed opportunity. 
Um, no, it didn't mean it was a, the season was a failure. I didn't say that. But the season's not a failure. No, no, no. The season's not a failure. Obviously not. Uh, you know, is, is it a, what you have to ask is, is it a disappointment? It, it is a disappointment. It, it, it is always. Dude, it is not. Look, you cannot look back at 2011 and go, how many times have you gone back and watched that game six? Mm, I haven't watched. I, I've watched the highlight. I've watched the Nelson Cruz ball um, on several occasions because it seems to air constantly. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know what? I don't go back and watch it because it's a painful memory. It, you know, it 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 it, it just, it's like it's like Frank Broyles said about losing to Texas in the big shootout. He, he, you know, in 1969, he never. He said, "I never, I never watched it. Never watched it again. Never." That was a great season for the Razorbacks, and and in every sense of the word, they had a great season. I don't remember what they ended up being ranked, but it was still very high. But they had a chance to win a national title, and they did not win it. And so, therefore, it was a pain for him for the rest of his life. I think that I think that's fair to, to say that you don't look back at those things and go, "Oh, you know what the heck? It was a great season. We had a lot of fun." Uh, Frank Broyles was the coach. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of a difference between I, – I don't know that you go back and you say, oh, well, let's let's sit down and watch – no, it's it, it's a painful <laughs> yeah, memory, but the season's not a failure. No, I didn't say it was a failure. A disappointment. There's a difference between those two things, a failure and disappointment. So, okay. so to your point, uh, I, wanted, I do want to say this. Now, here's the difference between fans of our generation and fans – Today, my sons know more about teams in other markets and know more about other players than they know about the teams in this market. You know, and I got to tell you, maybe I shouldn't say this, I don't. I know this market and I know these players, but I've always been a local team-centric guy. I've always Mm -hmm. believed... If you grew up here or you live here, I mean, it's one thing if you if you were born in New York and then you and you grew up with the Yankees or whatever, then you go, okay, you're a lifelong Yankees fan. That's fine. But when you never lived there and you just pick them because they went a lot, I I think that's that's you can't do that. I I mean, yeah, that's like I I know there's no rules to fandom. Yeah, there are. That's a rule. That's one. But it it has always struck me that. What the heck is that? Oh, the clock is ticking. I guess that means that Brian well, wants us to. We to should probably just do one podcast today and yeah. wrap this up. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't. I've never gotten that. I mean, there's there's people. You know, you watch people who grew up in in the same decade as as I did, and suddenly they're you know they're and they 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 have some loose ties maybe to a city, but you know their favorite teams are magically teams that won multiple championships <laughs> yeah. in that decade and yeah. i just am like it's like kalashaw and the celtics what yeah you know? I, I, I mean i don't get that either and but i also do i also will say this i mean my nba fandom um probably waned a lot when i finally realized that after about 50 years uh, of being in Atlanta, the Hawks were perhaps the most irrelevant franchise in in the three sports outside of uh, of the NHL. And I, I think that's a bylaw, really, in the NBA that the Hawks have to be. Irrelevant. And it's it's like you do at some point in time say, okay, some degree of competitiveness would be yeah would be help. welcome. You know, some ability to make it to the conference finals, not the. <laughs> finals. Maybe a Conference second round. finals would be would be nice, and 
Um, I, I think that there's there's a lot of fans that yeah they they have spent. I mean, Seattle Seattle baseball fans at this point in time have to really be questioning. You know, oh, you know, it's really. been 18 years yeah. since they've been to a playoff game. All right, we're gonna have to wrap it up so we can do our Rangers. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. Come back and listen some more. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Mavericks Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.